How do you react to interruptions? If something suddenly comes up, what happens? How do you react? Uh, I had a friend of mine from a Sikh background who taught me about this uh, proverb they have in his culture where often um, women would be carrying water in their pots, in their heads. And I uh, said, whatever the pot is full of will spill out when you get plumped. So whatever we, whatever we are full of will spill out when we get bumped or interrupted. It says a lot about us when we're caught in an unguarded moment and, oh, something just kind of slips out, whether we wanted to or not. This morning, we're going to talk about divine interruptions. And there were two divine interruptions we're going to specifically look at in this story. And I want you to keep in mind that just that refrain from that song we watched, Redemption rips through the surface of time in the cry of a tiny babe. Christmas is all about a divine interruption. God breaks into human history and says, I'm here. A few people were anticipating the arrival of Jesus. Most people were not. Most of them were taken completely off guard. The first, let's look at the first case study. Um, those high-tech things located in the pew in front of you, what are they called again? Bibles, right. Uh, someone find, let's, let's have a little prize. Someone have, find me the page that Luke chapter 1 is on. We're going to look at it. Luke chapter 1, it's got 80 verses, so I hate to disappoint you, we are not going to read the whole thing in its entirety. 779, we have a winner. Okay, thank you. Go away and feel blessed. Okay? All right, great. Let's follow along. I'm going to start reading, um, just skimming over the story in uh, verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zachariah. He belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron's. What that means is that it was one thing to be a priest, but to be married into that priestly line, that was really something that added a lot to your priestly resume. Here's the most important thing about Zachariah and Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, obeying all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. I'm not sure how very old is relative to this. I just really say in the original language, just they were very old. And they've likely given up hope of conceiving a child. So once when it was Zachariah's turn to serve in the temple, he was chosen by Lot. He was chosen to go into the temple and burn incense. And here's how this worked. There were more priests than there were opportunities to burn in incense in the holy place. This wasn't the holy of holies. The, the high priest only went in there once a year. And you know what? It was so dangerous. They actually would tie a rope around the high priest's leg in case he was overcome by the presence of God and died. They'd be able to haul him out. Now, we don't hand out helmets in the foyer at Yale Chapel. But it makes you think about what it means to come in here and worship 
And I mean, we want to be a welcoming community, but we don't want to take God casually. Do you understand? I dress casually. I try to never take God casually. All right, that was a, that was a free tangent. Now, back to the story. So it was Zachariah's turn to go in and burn incense. And this, you only did it once in your lifetime, just to be fair. And he was chosen kind of randomly by divine lottery, so to speak. And it was his time. And he likely waited a long time because he was an older man. And he had seen other people go and do this. It was a great privilege and honor to go and burn <coughs> incense in the holy place. So away he did. This is kind of at the peak of his career, all right? This was the big day in his career as a priest. And this is what happened. So when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside, and in goes Zechariah. Uh, we're down at verse 11 along, if you're following along. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right hand of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to drink wine or any fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Never happened to any human being previously. This is amazing. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, who was a mighty prophet, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, you're Zachariah. This is the peak of your career. This is the day you've been waiting for. You're so honored. You go in to burn incense in the holy place, and all of a sudden, boom! This thing, this bright, angelic being appears before you. And how did he react? What was he? Startled and afraid. Yeah, duh, no kidding. Angels aren't cute little things that we, you know, I have a cute little angel on my hands. On my office door, you know, um, I, I like it, but it's not a, a talisman or a good luck charm or a rabbit's foot. Some people carry those around, but they're not meant to be a, a rabbit's foot or something you rub for good luck or cross your fingers. Angels are messengers from God. I've known a few reliable people who have seen angels, and I believe them because they're reliable people, but they're anything but cute. Anyway, what does Zachariah do? How does he react? Obviously, he's startled and afraid. And this angel gives him great news. Guess what? You guys are going to get pregnant. going to be awesome. And your son is going to be such a powerful influence for good for the kingdom of God in Israel. It's going to be amazing. And what did Zachariah say? What would you say? Zachariah asked the angel, uh, remember, he's startled and afraid. He's in the most holy place in the temple, a good place for God to show up. And what does Zachariah do? How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. You could just hear him saying, 
Oh, sure. And expressing doubt and skepticism. Ugh. Well, what does Gabriel say back to him? The angel said, I am Gabriel. And you are not. <laughs> I stand in the presence of God. And you do not. And I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And you're going to be quiet for the next nine months. Shut up, Zachariah, and pay attention. Ooh, what a rebuke. You're not going to speak until the baby is born because you didn't believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Now, everyone's waiting for Zachariah to come out. and thinking, uh-oh, this is taking too long. What's going on? And when he came out, he couldn't talk. He was mute. And he's like trying to explain with emotions. They didn't have American Sign Language developed at that time, so I'm sure it was very difficult for him to communicate. So they figured, I guess he saw some kind of vision, something went on. And the Bible very discreetly says, and Zachariah went home, and Elizabeth got pregnant. Sorry, between the lines there. So it was a happy thing. And she remained in seclusion for five months. Now, six months into um, Elizabeth's pregnancy, and Kristen was reading to us today, the angel appears to Mary. Same angel. I wonder how Gabriel liked his job, how he found interacting with earthlings. There's another divine interruption, and Gabriel shows up to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and her name is Mary. Mary, uh, the angel shows up to her. We're not sure what she's doing. She, I know she wasn't in the temple. She was an offering worship, just kind of likely going through everyday life, most likely alone, so the angel could talk to her alone. And boom, he shows up and he says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. We're down in verse 28 by now. Mary is what? Greatly troubled, obviously. At the words of wondered, what kind of greeting is this? Why am I so favored? What is this being? Or what is going on? What does this mean? The angel says what angels usually say when they greet human beings. Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Ta-da! Mary, you're awesome. This is a great day. Guess what? You're going to be pregnant. And Mary says, wow. Um, but I'm a virgin. So how is this going to work? She doesn't express skepticism or wonders like how will this be? And the angel goes on to reassure her, look, the Holy Spirit will come on you. I think this is similar creation language to what we see in Genesis chapter 1. The Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters and then things just sort of coming into being. You can look at it later in Genesis chapter 1. The Holy Spirit will come on you and you will conceive and the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, as a sign, as a reassurance, Zachariah gets a rebuke. Mary gets a reassurance. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. 
And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. And how does Mary respond? This is amazing. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left. So I want to talk about two different reactions to divine interruptions this morning. Case study number one. Here's Zachariah. He is a godly man. He's a priest married to Elizabeth, who is a godly woman. He's at the pinnacle of his career as a priest. He goes in to offer worship. He's visited personally by Gabriel. Naturally startled and gripped by fear, a miraculous birth is announced. A very special child is predicted. And here's Zachariah's response. Uh, how can I be sure of this? Give me some proof. Do you remember those shell me the beef commercials from Wendy years ago? The skeptical old lady, people are selling hamburgers. Where's the beef? That's what Zachariah is asking. Where's the beef? Where's the proof? Show me. And here's Gabriel's review. I'll do the talking. Make sure you call him John. Okay? That's his name. You be quiet for the next nine months. Case study number two, Mary. She's a godly young woman, visited personally by Gabriel. Her reaction, she's greatly troubled by this visit. Miraculous birth is announced. A very special child is predicted. And Mary's response, how can this be? Not skepticism, but wonder. And Gabriel reassures her and says, do you know what? Elizabeth is already pregnant. No word from God will ever fail. God is with you. Let's talk a little bit about just the differences. How do we re respond to divine interruptions? Do you respond out of control and fear, or do you respond out of faith? How do we respond? I don't want to be too hard on Zachariah this morning. Because as if you follow the story through the rest of Luke 1, it turns out well for Zechariah and Elizabeth. I mean, God does come through in spite of Zechariah's understandable skepticism. God does come through. And Elizabeth, Elizabeth prophesies, and Zechariah prophesies, and it's a great story. But Zechariah's initial response, I think, was born out of years of, uh, was born out of skepticism, birthed by years of disappointment with God. He and Elizabeth honored God and says they followed all commandments, they were blameless, they were just models of how to walk with God. And yet there was this ongoing disappointment, they could not have a child, which in that culture we can't fully appreciate in that culture was the ultimate sign of God not blessing you in spite of doing everything right. And so often, some of us, when we're waiting for God, it seems like such a, fill in the adjective, long time with no answer. And we're wondering, God, where are you? Where are you? I'm doing everything on my end of the bargain. I'm doing what you're asking me. I'm trying to do it with a good attitude. God, will you come? Will you intervene? 
as people were coming in today, I was just reflecting on the different things going on in the lives of many of us. And we, I think many of us, are wondering, like Zachariah, what's going to happen? What's going to go on? Is God going to intervene or not? Is God going to show up or not? How long is this situation going to go on? How long, Lord? And I think Zachariah naturally said, okay, this is the first angel I've seen, likely. This is pretty cool. I'm in the holy place. But what am I going to tell my wife? What I, how was work today, honey? How was it? Well, guess what? And it wasn't just about you know, being afraid of Elizabeth's skepticism. I think he was skeptical in his own mind, thinking, give me a sign. Show me. Give me something I can hang my hat on. Instead of saying, wow, that's great. Praise God. Because I think Zachariah was feeling all the years of the disappointment and just built up this sense of skepticism and doubt in him. That led to fear and control. He wanted to control the situation. When life is out of control, we want to control it. When things are going the way they're supposed to go, when things seem to be going well, when everybody else is having babies, and I'm not having babies, when everyone else is having success in their job, and I'm not having success in their job, when every other family seems perfectly functional and mine is absolutely dysfunctional, did you notice the theme here? You're looking at outward appearances, not really what's going on inside. It's easy to feel that way, overlooked, overlooked and forgotten. And I think that came out. When Zachariah got bumped, that's what came out. As much as he was, I honor him for wanting to serve God with the right heart and the right attitude. He was a godly man. But he says, I need a sign. After all this time, I need a sign. <laughs> and Gabriel's response, what do you think about it, was kind of funny. Hello, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And what, you know, this is God's message to you. What other sign do you want? Oh, by the way, be quiet for nine months. I think Zachariah got the message. It was a rebuke. Do you know what? God rebukes us sometimes, but he doesn't cast us out. Praise God for his patience. If you're a good parent, you will occasionally have to rebuke your child. If you never rebuke your child, you really don't love them. Now, you're going to have to persuade your child, you know, 20 years down the line, they might come back and say, thank you for rebuking me. You will, don't expect to get any thanks for the rebuke the next day. But eventually, hopefully with hindsight, you will become smarter as your child gets older. But God loves those whom he rebukes. So when God rebukes us to wake us up and get our attention, there's a message there. Now, Mary, bless her heart, she just said, okay, I don't know how this is going to work, but I trust you. I can think of all the implications of trying to go home and explain to my parents and the nosy neighbors and all the meddling relatives how I'm pregnant and it wasn't Joseph, really. But she says, okay, I'm in. She responds out of faith. How do we respond to divine interruptions? Do we try to control God? Do 
we try to manipulate him? Do we try to make him do our bidding or do we do his bidding? Do we respond out of control and fear or do we respond out of faith? Remember that God's plan, God's divine interruption, he ripped into human history. He just tore into it and he said, now is the time. We are so off base when we think that we're in control of our lives. We're not. Ultimately, God is sovereign over us. And we need to obey Him. But we can trust Him. We can. Even if you're feeling like Zachariah, where it's been a long time, and you're waiting with seemingly no answer, God has not changed he is still there. He will still come through. He will come through in order to develop his character in us. So we may not ultimately get what we want for Christmas, but we will get what God knows best that we need for Christmas. Do you understand the difference? We can trust him. We can trust. Let's pray. Father, we know that it's um, our temptation to want to uh, control things. We know that many of us struggle with disappointment <coughs> and waiting a long time for things to happen. So I pray for those of us this Christmas time We've been waiting a long time for you to intervene in our lives, and I pray that you would give us peace and confidence in you and the ability to follow you no matter what. I thank you for these two divine interruptions we've been talking about this morning. It resulted in John the Baptist and Jesus Christ and how you changed the world through them. Father, I pray that you would give us your perspective and help us to well just reinforce our faith in your word and in your character and help us to trust you in Jesus name Amen